Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today on the podcast, Zero from Ronin House will be joining us. Ronin is an empathy-driven design and innovation house led by and built for the next generation. To learn more about what they do, enjoy the conversation. our podcast. Today we have the great pleasure of chatting with X, who's founder of Ronin House. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> so, oh my god. Wow. <laughs> it's just like it's really it really is 7 a.m. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for making the time at you know at 7 a.m in the morning. At least the weather is nice but as I'm not a morning person and I feel, you know, the effort that you're putting in right now. So I really appreciate you for that. But please tell us more about yourself and Ronan House. Eek. Okay. So, so funny. I was like, uh, someone from your team was uh, t- telling me to write a bio and I sat on an empty page staring at it <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> but hi, uh, I'm X. Um, I would... You know, I usually would, you know, tell people first and last name intros, but I think I've been doing my best to to be in the shadows uh, just because of some of the work that we do, at least for us as a company. And this is hilarious because this is news to you, Pinar, but I'm just going to, you know, I guess this is the first time that we're, we're publicly saying it. Um, but we're an innovation consultancy and venture studio hybrid uh, grounded in youth culture. Um, we believe that youth culture is a vehicle to shape the future. Uh, because the, few, the the sorry the experiences of someone's youth last a generation. So this idea of like the future is now. This idea of like you know creating for people's lived experiences, uh, especially with me being Gen Z, uh, it's this. It's definitely not something that we like thought of just one day. Woke up was like I'm going to be a venture studio, but it was something that we ended up on. Especially like we were chatting before, of course, like the start of just realizing that. There's a bunch of stuff that we know, but this is like, how do you succinctly say that? So this is like our one-liner is probably subject to change at some point again, but like, at least for right now, like that's just kind of what we are and what we do. So open that up for me, shall you? Like, yes, youth culture, what mm-hmm. do you mean by that? Because I feel like when I hear the industry today, it's a lot of like, we're trying to figure out how to appeal to Gen Z, but it's way more than that, right? And I feel like um, industries, their efforts are always like a little reactive. Um, mm-hmm. and like now we're appealing to like millennials. So what do millennials want? Okay, let's do some research on Gen Z. What do Gen Z want? But it's very, you know, here's the customer today. How do we serve them? And let's move on. But I think when you say culture, it's a little bit like broader than just supply demand. So please mm-hmm. uh, elaborate. Yes. Okay. So for me, um, I've always been fascinated with this idea of reimagining the role of business in the human experience um, to get very, I mean, it's not Gen Z. I think it's just very meta, but I feel like at least definitely in the States, like capitalism for better or for worse is the reason for all of our problems um, because it's this weird cycle of, uh, I'm going to, you know, I need to do something tomorrow, but, at, you know, at the expense of the future. And I mm-hmm. think Gen Z for better or for worse, especially with me just having to learn all the things that Gen Z doesn't know, because I had, because like, I literally had to realize all the things I didn't know. 
um, at 25, um, it put me in a position where I was just overwhelmed with how much of my existence was calculated, um, especially with social media, with, you know, television IPs, just everything that I knew and loved, like the idea of me loving it was someone else's thought. And there's definitely something to be said about marketing to Gen Z, but it's just funny because like that's just not our company. Like we just don't care to market to Gen Z. So this this idea of youth culture is like okay. So for like and this is actually funny enough, it was like the ethos of the Design Buy Festival, uh, for Did was this idea of how do you sell mentorship to a twelve year old? Yeah. Uh, because if you just think about it, it's like okay, I can logistically, especially with the intelligent Gen Zs, like I can tell them what mentorship is. We can have discourse about it. You can tell me it's valuable. But if you don't leave that conversation actually engaging in mentorship, I have to ask myself, is it my fault or is it yours as a 12 year old? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times with these kids, um, because they don't, they don't know what they don't know, but they're also not, they don't have enough clarity to actually take action on it, right? There's a difference between believing and knowing something. So with youth culture, um, it's a duality statement. It's like, I, like no one's ever going to believe that I'm a better innovation consultant than like an IDEO or the traditional innovation consultancies. So I have to use the word youth culture in a way where people will come to me for young people things, even though most of the work that we do has nothing to do with Gen Z. And mm-hmm. what youth culture is, youth, youth culture is a bunch of stuff. Like it's, it's just as much, you know, trying to design for someone's youth experience. Um, so trying to solve the problem right now it's within Gen Z and Gen Alpha. But it's also, it's a way to create space for generations. So I can actually touch on, so I'll give you an example. Like we, I just had this conversation yesterday with an influencer, um, which is hilarious. But we were talking about this idea of like being influential versus being an influencer. Mm. And the influencer, just for just something that everyone I feel like could you know grasp, like Willow Smith is an influencer, but Travis Barker is influential because mm-hmm. Travis Barker is not only Gen X's youth culture, i.e. Blink-182, you then have... Uh, Mod Sun and MGK, which is, I mean, older MGK is millennials youth culture. And then you have Willow Smith, which is Gen Z and Gen Alpha's youth culture. But it's interesting because Travis Barker is fundamentally um, more uh, influential because his sphere of influence is three-dimensional versus Willow Smith's where it's very one-dimensional. Willow Smith's influence is literally just her Gen Z audience. than her peers. Travis Barker owns a label who single-handedly pretty much brought punk back. And he also revived Avril Lavigne's career, right? But if we think about that, it's like, if I'm gonna tell, tell a brand, how do you design a world where young people feel, you know, like they have agency within the decisions that you make as a business, not dictatorship. It's just really interesting dynamic where it's like, you still as an older person who just knows things, you yeah. have to create, the parameters around someone to be able to contribute without giving them dictatorship. Because at the end of the day, I think my biggest struggle with brands is that they give kids too much dictatorship when kids don't know anything. Um, And it's not that kids don't know anything, but they only know what they can Google. And a lot of the times you get this really weird feeling that I can Google, I can out Google someone, which is a skill, by the way. Um, (laughs) I think so. Should go with the birthday, really. No, I, thought, it sh- I, I, I think it should. Yeah. I really do think it should because like you'd be surprised how many people don't know how to use Google. But <laughs> as an advertiser, right, like when, you know, or like with your ex-advertising, just knowing like the power of Google and like Google becomes an echo chamber because it weaponizes whatever you're looking for. Um, it's still this reality of like, you know, Gen Z is only going to react to the world that they're in. 
Yeah. So there's this interesting insight just working within brand and also within agencies is that not only can the, like a lot of the Gen Z agencies really just segment themselves only into marketing to Gen Z, mm -hmm. that the problem in itself, it's something that's so systemic, which is kind of like what we're doing. Um, well, it's not kind of, it is what we're doing. Well, the problem is actually rooted in the, in the dynamics of capitalism. And it's not the system itself. There's something to be said about the people who Im implement the system for sure. But what it actually is, is how we make money as a country. Um, and trying to solve like the, the systemic diversity problem, like that's more of what we care about versus marketing to Gen Z. So you're gonna always have the brand who's like, I'm trying to reach Gen Z, but I have yet to find someone who's really, who can really behind closed doors tell me that they've cracked it. Every agency I've talked to is trying to figure it out. Every brand that I've talked to is trying to figure it out. And yeah. the reason why they can't reach Gen Z is because that's not how you like, not only does Gen Z not know how to reach themselves, but then like you don't like you just you can't one dimensionally market to a Gen Z. Like yeah. Gen Z can't even tell you why they use Snapchat. Like why is Snapchat still a billion dollar company? Well, Snapchat's a billion dollar company is because it's engraved into the way that we move as, as young people, but they don't actually market to us. Right. So there's these these realities of like how humanized and how a part technology is within our human experience where like that's how you market to Gen Z is you literally give them space to contribute. You control the parameters of how they contribute, but you don't market to them because at the end of the day, like for better or for worse, they're, they are gonna search things up. And as long as, you know, we are aware as the people who are designing a world around them, just as much as how all of my interests were calculated, the decisions that they make, the environments that these kids are in, you know, really it's commercialization strategy, just being mindful with how can we reimagine how businesses and brands show up in people's lives. Yeah. Like we're watching it happen right now where it's interesting watching people like trying to figure out how to become more human, but they use all these like really interesting like terminologies, but it really is just like, how do you just be more human? Yeah, and I mean, it's exciting for me to see like there's an interest towards a more authentic shift, right? Because like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, when like for baby boomers, it was like, let's put out these like very aspirational ads and brainwash mm -hmm. people thinking this is what they need, right? And then right. it didn't necessarily change, but it was like really like one stream, like through like video or magazine ads or uh, like video, like TV. And uh, there were these like major storylines and trends that, you know, they were trying to pull the generation into. And then millennials maybe started to question that a little bit, but we also didn't get to really like question in depth. So a lot of brands got away with a little bit like, let's call it greenwashing, diversity washing, whatever we want, mm -hmm. right? So small efforts, small marketing efforts for like tricking uh, a generation that's saying like, oh yeah, 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 we're doing like what you, like what you're questioning. We're, we're also thinking about that. But I think like Gen Z and onwards, there is real expectation around like authenticity, but also because like you guys, I mean, I feel like you're born into like Google, like Snapchat, what you're talking about, like that's like in your DNA, right? That's natural to you. Um, mm -hmm. you don't have to adopt the technology you already grew up with the technology and so um, I think like when they it's interesting when brands think of some of these like tools as a marketing vessel it's kind of you know to your point like you're saying we don't even know why we're like using it 
um, it's in your like day to day. And so how much of that is like, how is that perceived by a generation? Because I feel like, like if I turn on TV, I can expect ads and therefore I can prep myself for like, okay, like they're going to try to like sell these stuff to me. Right. So I have an expectation of that medium. Um, and mm -hmm. then, you know, when I first started using Instagram, there were no ads and there was like organic content and now it's all ads. And I'm like, I'm able to differentiate that. And therefore it affects my usage because I saw like pre ads. Um, but then like, now we're at a time where we can be like bombarded through every, everyone and everywhere. Right. And now like people mm -hmm. are in like the so-called like to your point, influencers, right. Or a big part of like marketing efforts. So there's like a huge question mark on, okay, wait, what is ad? What is authentic? What is like really what I'm interested in? Or what is this like, is this like part of an algorithm? Um, how does that affect mental health? First of all, is like one of my like uh, bigger questions because like there is no, like the separation between what's organic and what's not, I think is getting more and more blurred. At least that's my experience because I saw like pre and after, um, but Gen Z being born into it, how, like, how does that affect a culture in terms of how they even look at brands or consumption or just like their own mental health questioning what, what is real or what's not real? If that makes sense. It's a very loaded question, but I hope that that resonated a bit. Oh, no, it definitely resonated. I just, I, there's just a lot to talk about. Oh my God, wow. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's a lot, right? Because it goes back to the dynamics of capitalism like technology, like we still haven't fully defined a healthy line between how technology, like what's the role of technology in the human experience. Yeah. And I think because of that, like Gen Z, like unfortunately, like was the test bed because we're the first generation where we grew up completely with technology while millennials, like you still had to deal with dial up. Exactly. <laughs> or like, I didn't have like Google search. Like I had like, when I was little, like it was like the Yahoo, I was using Yahoo and I didn't get like all my answers in like one search. I still use like books and like encyclopedias. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that's, that's the interesting thing is like, and you know, I think as a, well, one, as an innovation company and then two, just like having to like, I mean, I mean having to build a Gen Z team um, and then me also just learning just all the things I don't know and failing a lot, like failing like a lot. <laughs> Um, I think we just learned this reality of like, like it's, it's really, it is the system or like, it's the dynamics of capitalism. It's like everything that we like, like, is like weirdly calculated. And like, I keep saying that, but it's like, it's just like so interesting because like when, as brands keep pushing brand narratives, as brand keep pushing influencers, like, it's just like, maybe like, maybe I'd say 10, like maybe five to 10 years old that like how influencers and brands work together is now finally demystified. But before, like everyone was just like, they just didn't know how that works. And it really young, like Gen Z still doesn't really know how that, like how, how deeply calculated the ad industry is. Yeah. Um, especially like, uh, like big ads, independent ad agencies, creative agencies, like they just, it's such a interesting market. Um, then like, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. I'm like trying to succinctly like take you down a conversational journey, just in like all the different challenges because like I mean if I start at young people like when you grow up with Instagram 
it's such an interesting dynamic. And I think to your point, like when you when you said mental health, I get that's such a key point because that's like the grounded relatable like relatability with Gen Z. Like because like I, I will one hundred percent guarantee that a lot of us have dark humor, like really, really dark humor. Um now the interesting dynamic though is like because of that, we are we're all aware, I think we're more self-aware uh, about all our shortcomings, hmm. but we'll never project it. Like the way that we project it is actually through action, it's not through words. Because for me, like growing up with Instagram and like being on it all the time, I would give myself all the reasons why, like, if you weren't on Instagram, you were weird. And now you will count, you will catch me dead on Instagram. <laughs> like I will not be on Instagram. You won't see me on any social media. I just don't use it. And you know, there's there's something to be said about like just I don't want to say poisonous, but just like how much it really does like affect your value system. Like when you're on Instagram, like your your value set is actually really defined based off what you're looking at. If you spend your time based off Instagram, like you'll convince yourself that there's a, str- a stronger sense of value. And once we started changing the way that we're living and changing the way that we working, like we were working, Instagram just became a nuisance. Um, and the interesting thing about like a lot of the Gen Z people I know, and really this is this has really been every Gen Z I've ever came across is that they, when I'm on a one-on-one setting with them in person, they can tell me all their shortcomings, like all of it. Like they're they, like they're so self-critical, it's like crazy. Um, that also, I have my thoughts about that because that's also by design, um, which is, i.e. the creative and ad age, uh, ad world, but you know, I had my big pick with that. But then there's this reality that even though they say that, they can succinctly tell me all their challenges, they won't change. And knowing but this reality that- Acceptance? there to their yes and that's that's the that's the sad part it's like Mm -hmm. a brand has perpetuated this reality where even if even the tech platforms like them knowingly making things addictive like it's a science to how they keep people on platforms it's like i'm not gonna look at a young person and be like why are you depressed stop being depressed because i'm like the young people are just entering a world that by design was not built for them and for me i'm like because I am the young person in a lot of these rooms, I'm like, what are you brand going to do about it? And I think that's the fun design part of the conversation because it's not one dimensional, like marketing does not work. Like Mark, the only thing that marketing works at this point is when it speaks to some sense of value, right? Just going back to the basics of marketing, it's like it's awareness, right? Like, but the way that, the way that companies weirdly manipulate people into buying things, it's slowly starting to die out. Like the weight of influencers when they have brand campaigns, it doesn't work as strong as it used to. Um, you're having brands focus so much on experiential and personalized experiences because they can't reach, like you, you can't segment someone like just because someone's a gamer, it doesn't mean that they're a very specific type of person. Like culture and community is becoming ageless, which I like it's, it was already ageless, but there's just so much pronunciation now around it being ageless that I think it's just like young people just, like I, like I want young people to know that they can contribute, but I actually want them to know that they can contribute, but I'll never put it on them to be the ones to figure it out. And I think that's my challenge. And I think brands, you know, as brands trying to figure out like what's the future of work, the future of brand post COVID, like what's the future of commercialization? Like how do we solve these systemic challenges within diversity, which is why I'm so happy all these innovation districts and cities are popping up around the country. Like as everyone's trying to figure it out, everything just coming back to being more human. But I still think that with Gen Z, like we were like the test pilots and then Gen Alpha and everybody after us until we figure out like what the role of technology is in the human experience and then really going above technology because technology is still a business. Like what is the role of business in the human experience? 
I think until we address those conversations and people who are really, 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 really good at their jobs start addressing how they perpetuate the problems. Cause I mean, you know, Pinar, like when we first connected, like my biggest problem um, or my, not my biggest challenge from where we, when we were doing stuff within um, like the organization that you and I are part of, not to put the name out there, um, is that the people who are in the organization perpetuate the same problem that we're trying to solve. It's like, if these organizations are the ones that are working with brands, why are we trying to create something when you're the one that perpetuates the problem? Yeah. And this idea of like young people just are so not aware, like that's that, but that, that's the thing that's, that's, that's interesting to me about Gen Z is that like the youth experience is such a special time growing up as a human, especially like lately where you're just so ignorant to so many things that you genuinely feel like you can do everything. And what happened with social media is that they've created a world where we're so overwhelmed with all the things that we feel helpless to, whether it's our friends, whether it's, you know, what's happening, you know, in Europe, like what happened, like for me in the Philippines, you know, five, 10 years ago, like mm-hmm. there's an, 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 there's such overwhelming amount of negative information that you just, you can't help but feel helpless. So like even just that, this idea of activism, it's because we, of course, like we feel like the world shouldn't be like that. But I think my challenge is because brands are also trying, like going back to like brands, not, not talking about Gen Z anymore, brands are reactive because they're afraid of people that they don't understand. So yeah. there's a loud part of Gen Z, right? Which is I'm gonna go on Twitter and cancel the world. But everybody knows that if Gen Z actually knew what it actually took to drive a brand forward, like, what Gen Z doesn't understand, this is maybe a call out I'll get like really need Gen Z to really understand is that when when we as a collective generation force a company to move, we force a company to move out of fear. We mm. don't force them to move out of understanding. Mm. And every time someone has ever done something out of fear, we just keep getting on them for messing up. But we don't take a step back because a lot of Gen Z also has compartmentalized, compartmentalized empathy. And also when I'm speaking on Gen Z, I'm speaking on like literally like not only what I, I have seen working with Gen Z's for the past six years, but also what I had to unlearn being Gen Z. Mm. That like being like this compartmentalized empathy, it's like we want to change the world, but we'll be selective with who we give grace to. Like it's a problem. And it's like that cycle of like brands giving like dictatorship, not agency to young people, young people actually not knowing all the things they need to know to actually say or to give like, you know, really useful advice. This is weird dynamic of I'm I as a brand I'm afraid to react to Gen Z because Gen Z is loud, but really it's just like it's not really because Gen Z is a third of the global population, and like you're afraid of a million impressions. Like I think you got to really really think about like what scale is and how much of Gen Z actually agrees with, like what happens like with what people claim like is Gen Z because that's the interesting thing like you definitely have the loud Gen Zs and you definitely have people like myself who are more like behind the scenes like just don't agree with a lot of the narrative, especially with how people paint Gen Z. And also just don't agree with the methods. It's just like, I don't feel like talking is gonna solve the problems for me personally. So I'm the type that's like, yes, what you're doing being loud is needed, but I'm gonna go over here and mm. use leverage the, the loudness to get in and actually do the work. Like that's personally how we, how we move. So there's, 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 I'm never knocking what people do, but my challenge is if I'm looking at that problem of, Gen Z getting loud because they were just delivered a world that they didn't ask for, which is so valid, it's hilarious. But then also brands not understanding how to show up in people's lived experiences because like even the diversity pipeline problem, 
like if we're trying to pull from a one percent of a one percent pipeline it's like the problem is never to to go find more people within that pipeline the problem is to expand the pipeline right like how do you expand the people who are interested in certain things because like the, the, the diversity problem is still a volumetric problem that's relative to accessibility it's right. not relative to i'm just going to go look at you dissect you by you know your beliefs you know your identity uh, or your culture and then just hire yeah. you for that reason because that's how things in itself become racist again so it's like exactly. there's this reality of like people don't want to go down to the, the depths of how you solve that challenge which is you have to go down to how you show up in their lived experience so just as much as someone wants to grow up being an apple employee it wasn't because of just apple products it's because every time that i remember apple i remember the people that told me the products i remember steve jobs showing me the products it wasn't just an animate inanimate project i mean sorry product yeah. that just showed up on the shelves like there was someone that was working mm -hmm. that I like there's yeah there's a human and I, I'd be someone would be lying to me if they told me that they grew up especially Gen Z I'd say older Gen Z so like anyone 18 and 25 like that grew up not wanting to work at Apple at some point and it's just like but that level of intention that someone like an Apple and this is like I said Apple's not a, they're not like, they're not the greatest company but just their level of intention that they had um I'll still call on brands uh to figure out how to do that and it's not even just brands but it's brands in the brand ecosystem so that's just as much agencies that's just as much vcs that's just as much startups because that's the thing that they don't understand because especially like with like with this idea that gen z is not loyal to jobs they have the lowest retention rate because they'll leave in three weeks if they don't align that the struggle my struggle with that narrative is that it's relative i have 24 year old gen z's that don't even know what they can and can't do and that's still a problem it's not like like people say they're money driven. I'm like, yeah, money money only drives you when you realize money's not what you want, right? So the young Gen Zs or anything in the workforce, they believe it's money, but give them two three years. Like all of my friends, they're like, nah, like I can't right. do this anymore. So they quit. They try to become a creator. They try to, and I have my own phone to pick with that. They have they have all these different things because guess what? The the struggle is, they still don't know what they don't know, and I just don't. For me personally, I just don't like how it's always your fault. Like if you don't know what you don't know, it's your fault. And I'm just like. If we grow up in a world of technology where we believe that we can Google what we Google and that like that's supposed to answer our problem. Like that's the problem with Google is that if you don't know what to Google, you're screwed. <laughs> so well, if you don't even know that's the real answer, that's a whole other like Oh my God, yes. Yeah, because everything's advertised and weaponized against you because of SEO, right? So like that's but that's what I'm saying. Like there's there's such a systemic problem with the way that we are I'd say we as a society that's supposed to protect the youth generation yeah how like how we are holding ourselves accountable to driving and living like systemic change i think that i think that is in essence my challenge because it's not just a gen z problem because like i'll just never believe that gen z has to be the one to change the world i'd love that we're loud enough to say something i would ask us to to realize that you know if things were just that easy that it would have been done and there's a lot more complexity to that but then it really is, I'm going to really more so hold the brand because at the end of the day, the brands and everything in between are the economies. And if as a consumer, the only thing I'm looking at and experiencing are forward facing brands, whether you're a tech platform, your consumer platform, or you're you know trying to get me to work for you, just like I have my own thoughts about that, then that's the problem you have to solve is like, how do you just make sure a young person with as much information that they have, how do you make sure that they have information more so about the way that they can design a life for themselves? more so yeah. than they can be a consumer and that and this goes into the whole and going back into when you were talking about like 
something that I wanted to talk about. Like my, the biggest thing that I wanted to a piece of advice is for brands to stop perpetuating this idea that young people can be creators. Like when you, you say the word creators, what's the first thing you think in your mind? Influencers. And anyone who's in really, really, really in the influencer economy, um, especially like the bigger ones, it's a super toxic environment. It's the worst environment for someone who's 12 years old to 18 years old to live in, like to live through that trauma at a young age, to live through people backstabbing you, to live through fame, to live through all that stuff, to live through this idea that you have to walk on eggshells and, you know, creating this dynamic where as you get bigger, you become less attached to your audience because you're more afraid of what they'll say or do if they realize that you have, there's tea on you or there's all this other stuff. And I, when I look at that problem, I'll never look at an influencer and blame the influencer. I'm gonna blame the brand because right. the brands are creating the parameters around what is and what is not possible. And the, my biggest ask for brands and really any company period is reimagine the narrative around creator to contribution. Because what you can do is that when you're trying to get a young person to contribute, it, it's abiding by this idea of agency versus dictatorship. When you're contributing to something, you are still in essence creating, but you're creating within parameters. I've seen too many entrepreneurs from lower socioeconomic areas, from the DC, Maryland area, feel like they have to be an entrepreneur in order to create freedom for themselves. And I think that narrative is so toxic because not only does it create zero sum mentality within a local community, and I've watched it happen, but it also um, creates this weird survivalist mentality. And it's also just not possible. Mm. Like there was no true infrastructure on how to build business. If VCs still haven't figured out how to successfully pump out unicorns, then no one actually knows how to successfully build business because all these things are so inhuman. It's just very interesting. Times are changing, whatever. So my biggest thing is whether it's brands, whether it's VCs, whether it's agencies, everyone, I would love for everyone to understand, like how would you have to change the dynamics of your brand? Mm. And just brand strategy. How do you have to change the dynamics of your commercialization strategy? How do you have to change even as an agency? How do we change the way that we work? Right? It's just so we can be more mindful around not only creating a narrative, but creating a space where right. young people have enough time, because that's the biggest thing that I've been trying to get people to understand is like you have to give a young person enough time so they have this idea and they can know that I can contribute versus I want to create. Because contribution is an actual sustainable path. Because that's what the working force, that's like what the working force is. It's all about contribution. But this idea of being a creator, being independent, it doesn't work because there's like what 20,000 plus kids and people on TikTok that have uh, like million plus followers. Mm. And it's like, I've, def I've seen the beauty of the TikToks of like just random people, like older, younger, have profiles that just never would have been heard. And I, I absolutely love that. But I've also seen this, the bad part of TikTok, which is people are just so desperate to be famous or desperate to get their hit that brands perpetuate that narrative because they don't want to solve the systemic problems or do more beyond here's a brand deal or I need an influencer. And I don't think it's, like I said, I'm not putting it on anyone because I don't think I can't, a brand is made up of a lot of people, you know, so I'm not going to dehumanize yeah. a brand. Complex but, system. I mean, yeah. Obviously. Yes. Right. So that's why it's like, because it's like the, the answer is so clear. That's why I'm asking Gen Z, but I'm also asking brands. It's like the answer is clear. Like, yes, it, it should be this simple, but that's at least not, just not only why, why we exist, but that's why it, it just hasn't been solved yet because it is such a true systemic problem that you have to have right. relationships influence at every conceivable level because like the more that you yell, the less seriously people take you. 
Yeah. Because they know that if you are trying to solve the problem, you would be in a very similar room as they are. And that journey of like, I'm going to just relentlessly try and solve the problem. That's what I found was the best journey for us. Mm. Um, because if, if, my, if my brand strategy was based off communication, I don't think we would have been here. But my brand strategy was actually built off of organizational design and movement, which is why I was saying that the Ronin House living was such a core component. Because I fundamentally, as a non-venture-backed bootstrap company for the past six years, we literally never had the capital to survive long enough for me to know that my communication strategy was wrong. Every time that we do something and when we're moving, whether we're building a company, whether we're consulting against something, whether we're driving insight, it, it doesn't really make a difference. We have to know that we're right because we fundamentally don't have the money to, to, to be wrong. Right. And it puts us in a very interesting like ethos as an innovation company and also just a venture studio because like we literally, like literally, we, everything we do is different. Yeah. <laughs> like we still end up delivering the same thing, but our thought process, the way we get there, like everything is so human because we were the ones that not only had to unlearn the, the things we had to unlearn, but we had to, um, we had to just figure it out. And, you know, yeah, I mean, honestly like that that's it we just we had to figure it out but yeah i mean to, to gen z i spent semi piece and then brands i feel like i've said my piece but like those are the two biggest things for sure because that that cycle can be broken but it's not easy because it's like not every gen z has the capacity to feel empathy beyond themselves and that's not i'm never going to put it on them to do that i would ask them to but i would never put it on them to do that um but I would more so call the brands because the brands are the ones that are creating, like they're literally designing the world that people are entering into. And if we don't actually take a step back and think about that, then we're always going to, we're, we're going to be we're looking at Gen Z's like, why are you like this? And I'm like, dude, this is what you wanted, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like you wanted a billion monthly like users. Like, you, like this is literally what you wanted. So I'm like, product why are you? of a systemic problem, yeah. Yes. Wow. I mean, I, there's so much to unpack there, but I want to highlight a few things that really like stuck with me and like, just like highlight our like conversation too. So number one, I love when you say like make space for youth. And I think to me, like also as a mom of a gen alpha person who's three and a half now, uh, who thinks Alex is a real person, by the way. Um, I, I really think like, you know, I feel like we have the luxury of being kids right? Just because we had lack of exposure, really, uh, and living in our own ignorant bliss and being our perfect selves until we started seeing like benchmarks or other things like over time. Whereas like in Gen Z and onwards, you come into the world and no wonder like there's great awareness around like shortcomings uh, and everything because like you're just suddenly comparing yourself to millions of people. Um, mm -hmm. and you never have your like bubble, like, because when we're kids, we're in our own minds and we're, we live in our bubble, but your, your bubble is burst. Like as soon as you're like in the world, 22, and yeah, yeah. that, that like, I mean, no wonder, like there is depression or like anger that also like comes out as a little bit like the cancel culture, like being loud. Right. Because you are like pressured. What even like when you're like out and you when you need that space, um, you're, uh -huh. you don't have the luxury to like have your own space. So uh -huh. I think like what you highlighted there, I not only like if we go deeper into that, I think you know not giving that space to kids. Like I would argue actually that's exploiting children, right? Like um, 
from corporations and that should maybe look, be looked at as a more ethical, uh, as an ethical concern. Um, but also that, I mean, I love, like, I also see, you know, I, I have like Gen Z cousins and like friends around me where I see like much more openness to also just accept yeah. yourself as you are and heal yes. and, yes. and like therapy is totally fine and okay. Whereas like, you know, prior generations, it was like a no, like what is mental health? Like things like that. So I see like silver linings, but I also yes. see the pressure and stress that brings to a generation. And so, and to your point with this, density of content obviously marketing doesn't stops working right because yeah. like you know you in the end we're human and so you have mm -hmm. so much attention span so what do you give that to and so to your point then really the way you need to think about maybe marketing or brand positioning you just have to look at reflect that yourself and change the way you are for you to really appeal to next generations right because if you start thinking about how you employ, if you start thinking about like re revising your, I don't know, like principles or your uh -huh. mission as a company, that is much more impactful and goes much more of a longer way than just like pushing out ads. Um, but for that to happen too, what you said, like I think brands up until today have been so consumer centric Mm -hmm. I think they just have to be human centric and the more yeah. human they are, the more they would actually resonate with generations. And that, is, that seems to be a more like sustainable solution. So that's my like synthesis and highlights of the conversation. I don't know. I don't know if that reflected that. I hope I did justice. Oh, no. well, I think that's, that's the interesting thing where it's like being, being human is like, if that's what you took from the conversation, lit. <laughs> I'm down because <laughs> like at the end of the day like everything is such a two-way street like like I'm sure that I said a lot more um I know I said a lot more I don't know if it was relevant oh yeah for sure I'm so sorry um but I think no, it's, it's no, like no, one no, of that was so valuable I'm just like just trying to share like last nuggets <laughs> oh no like I think everything that you everything that you said I feel like is important and I feel like this is one of those things even for me just like to dang i said that it's crazy like just like literally just listen to it and be like wow it's wild <laughs> and just like be able to listen to that because it's a good point because like i like we were just talking about this i think amazon literally on their mission statement have like we're like consumer obsessed or consumer driven i'm like yeah. and that didn't like sit well with me and now like talking to you today i'm like well that's like the core problem you're not even saying like human centric you're saying consumer centric so that already means data numbers like it's very inhuman right yes. like the entire business model around that is very inhuman so like to your point going back to the core values and really like reframing or questioning the mission the vision the corporate principles and all of that instead of just thinking about like what language should we use when we're talking to gen z Right. Like that's right. all like very superficial. And to your point, when you talked about like, you know, um, when we're loud, they act out of fear. That's not sustainable. Right. Or they don't do anything because they're fearful. So and right. that's not productive or innovative either. Um, so how do you really push uh, like shift paradigms and change from the core? And I think that really goes to very human values and um, really how a business model is framed to begin with. 
So I love how you positioned Ronan House for that reason too, because you could easily, you could have easily become um, kind of like an, an agency that supports brands to connect to Gen Z, right? Like, and that comes so straightforward to brands that they would be okay with spending money on that. That's, some, that's from the marketing budget. Uh, yeah. But you, I think like what you said, like making space and create uh, like also like advocating for youth. I think like that's yeah. really like how I see you guys. I really, really, really appreciate that. And I think that's what makes you unique um, really. And that's why I'm happy that you made the time today and like talk to us. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I appreciate it. And thank you for that. I mean, that's that's been a biggest struggle because like I'm never gonna knock Gen Z marketing companies. I think it's cool that young people have been able to re reach that. But for us, that's just, that's just not what we care about. I'm like, let the experts in that field do that. Yeah. Um, because like even just by design them them being able to do that like that's all by design and like that's not something that we care for um like we care about trying to solve the systemic problem so it's a good point like you know it, it has been a challenge like from inception you know we didn't start here we started off as a production company making videos as mm -hmm. we got bigger and just trying to understand the industry i just i like really did not like the ad industry i didn't like the creative industry um so trying to find our place like what the, the question of what are we like solving our own identity crisis like that has just been, that has been the journey. So like, like trying to figure out why do I have VC friends? Why am I an advisor of this company? Why am I working with this brand? And like, just trying to have answers for all those things. It was like our entire journey is just a culmination of solving our own hows. Hmm. Never our why. Like we always knew why we're doing what we're doing, but we always been trying to solve our own hows. Um, and I think once we started solving the how, of like how are we going to get this done? How is this going to work? um our brand strategy came from us just being grounded in the work but it was very 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 painful um and it still kind of is if i'm gonna be honest very 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 painful because there's just a lot of like learnings like i'd say never losses but a lot of learnings yeah. and we're in just like this weird cycle of like yes like we are trying to create the future of our brands by getting brands and really agencies and really everyone in between vcs and startups as well to understand that the systemic problem that they're trying to solve is it's multifaceted. It's like reimagining yourself in someone's lived experience, especially the youth experience for like Gen Z and Gen Alpha. But it's mm -hmm. actually leveraging youth culture because everybody has a youth experience in order to create a common ground of what happened in your 20s or in your late teens that shaped or traumatized you for the rest of your life. Because literally like the boomers, Gen X, millennials, everyone is just reacting to the things that they did or didn't have in their child experience. Whether it's generational family trauma, whether it's the, the socioeconomic environment that they're in, whether it's like identity crisis because they were maybe the one minority and they were with white people. Like there's literally just so much dynamics that I'm like, that's what we are trying to pull on. It's like, how do we leverage youth culture? How do we leverage, I mean, to, to your point when you're saying being human, like this, this is actually my, weirdly enough, my problem with like, every time I've heard someone say they do human-centered design, it's human-centered design relative to capitalists and consumerism. It's never actually like literally like, do you actually understand the framework of what it means to be human in a westernized society? Like actually, like can you tell me all the different variables that play into someone of like how how human can you get? And that's just from a consumer side. But then on the other side is like, are you really human centered to even understand that the strategy that you create as a human centered design company also has to bypass bureaucratic metrics within the organization? So it's like, can you build a strategy that had a roadmap attached to it so that you know, so that right. the tractor that happens to be the chairman of the board, you get him on board versus trying to fight him like this. And that just the level of like not understanding of how bureaucracy is always just a part of like corporations and like how you have to create innovation and brand strategies and 
really any strategy, design strategy around bureaucracy. Like it's the same thing. It's not human centered because it's like, yeah, like your your idea for your consumers, I'm, I'm sure is very human centered. But if you're not being human to the person that's going to say yes or no, then it's like, it's never going to happen. And I found like literally fundamentally that has always been the challenge. It's like, I'm either not human to my customer to actually understand their human experience, which has nothing to do with capitalism. And then I also am not aware or I'm not, I don't care to, to play the bureaucratic game of how do I get someone who doesn't understand to understand. And I think when people start just at scale, humanizing everything, that's how we've been able to like, I mean, just we don't know everything but we figure out the stuff that we figured out was because of that just like how human can we actually get like can we actually reimagine everything and we're just like screw it i guess so we can we gonna figure it out until someone says no <laughs> i love that i think that's it i mean you did sprinkle in advice throughout the talk so i really appreciate that but this is also like a great like way to like end it too because you're just saying like we're just going to keep at it. There's really no shortcut, really, especially when you're trying to make progress or, you know, right. uh, really address problems in the world. Um, right. It's just like keeping at it, really. And I, I really appreciate you for that. I think it's like I always find our conversations very refreshing and very authentic, too. Um, and I, I could only hope that, you know, uh, you... Ronin House becomes influential for um, other like uh, youth or other like agencies or companies to take on a similar approach. So mm. yes, and I will of course like if things start popping off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the interesting thing about us is like, and this is what something I love about the way that we move, and this and this is like how it's not exposing Gen Z, but this is like, and and you'll see it after this interview goes live. Um, is this reality of like, because you can't find anything on us, everyone just thinks we're full of it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Cause I know I actually love that because it shows just how much we rely on what we see, mm -hmm. but what we see doesn't actually mean that that's what we know. Or and what we did, right? Exactly. Cause I'm like, for me, I'm like, I love when people just, because they can't find anything or like our website is just like super dead. Like there's like literally like you just can't find anything on us except maybe a couple of logos. But the only way to know what we do is for you to know one of us or to know people that we know. And when we found out that the people who are actually making the world move and shake move like that, I was so naturally gravitated towards that because I, if I'm going to design a better world for this generation and the next using everyone's lived experiences, I can't be a part of the world in the way that it moves. And for me, like I love the fact that we, just like we're not public, like we're not forward facing. And like when people try and say that we don't do what we do, I'm like, I get excited about that. Cause I'm like, I'm literally, I have so much things not to educate you, but to show you, like I'll show you everything that we failed on, or show everything that we've done and that we're doing. Um, just so people just know that like, you, you should always believe what you see and hear. Um, should actually like, cause, and also another thing too, just like, as long as when people start grinding themselves in the work, I think the last thing I'll say, um, is that the greatest thing I ever learned from this entire journey is that if we're trying to solve the same problems, we end up in the same rooms. And it's never about me being right. It's about me being relentless about going through a journey fast enough to where if you have the same problem as me, you're going to end up at the same place. And that reality, I think, has been true because uh, at least with trying to change the world, 
like I, I used to be the one that used to put it on everybody else to change the world. And I just kind of got tired of the world not changing and then me being overwhelmed with the reality that the world's not changing. And I just asked myself one day, um, I was like, if not me, then who? And then once that, once that kind of set, I was like, screw it. I have nothing else better to do. I <laughs> so I'm just going to try this out and see what happens. But yeah. And I appreciate you, of course, like always creating the space. I know it's like, I know you're crazy busy. So I, I appreciate you. Um, so for fitting me on the scheduling, no worries on the, the time I had, I had a client, we had a meeting at, uh, 3.30 AM and she was in Switzerland. Yeah. She was in Switzerland. It was like the funniest thing. She's like, oh my God, why is it dark? I was like, oh, it's only 3.30. She's like, what? I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. You're really busy. So I'm like, it's okay. I'm fine. Um, oh, no. but, but yes, thank you so much for creating the space. This is, I haven't done one of these in a while. So it was. Uh, thank you. Cool. And thank you for like making an appearance while also being invisible. So I think next time you should like come on with like a, like a costume like Sia or Dashboard, but you don't pay. I think that would be amazing. And you know, people like it will also show that it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, right? Like it's about like what we want to change and want to do the work really. Yes. Um, but thanks for like sharing uh, and being open about your like experience too. I think, you know, that's why I love talking to you always. It's always very like uh, real and um, organic. So I, I really appreciate that. And this was such a treat. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. And yes, hopefully I don't keep saying wild things. <laughs> <laughs> And that is this week's episode of What's Wrong With The Podcast. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcasting platform. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Links can be found in the episode description, and you can also find them on our website, podcast.whatswrongwith.xyz. If you found value in the show, we would appreciate if you could rate us and leave a review, or you can simply tell your friends about us. For more details on our guests, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to join us next week. Thank you for listening.